Welcome to The Good Mood Show with Matt O'Neill. This is the show to help you navigate the challenging moods we all experience as human beings and where you will learn the best strategies to feel the good moods and good vibes we all love to feel. Because when you feel like your best self, you are your best self. This is The Good Mood Show. Now, here's your host, Matt O'Neill. Welcome to The Good Mood Show. I'm your host, Matt O'Neill. Be sure to hit subscribe so that you get a good mood every single week. Today we are talking about conquering a bad mood, conquering hopelessness. So it's my belief that the path to good moods is simply conquering the eight bad moods that we all experience as human beings. When we get the dark, heavy, negative energy out of the way, what's left is the light and the joy and the love and the peace of God and our soul. And so the mood that we're talking about conquering today is hopelessness. And um, you definitely want to listen to this full episode because hopelessness is a mood that you will experience and that you have experienced in your life. It is one of the eight bad moods of the ego. I have battled the emotion of hopelessness this past week, and uh, and it's it's a heavy one. And um, thankfully, I was able to get out of it, and um, I'm two days now removed from from finally transcending this bad mood. And if you don't learn how to get out of hopelessness, it can destroy you. This is the emotion that we uh, will go and and get a drink, you know, we'll drink to blackout. Uh, This is the emotion that would lead us to drug use. Like, what's the use? Like, life, what's the point? I'll just go ahead and black my mind out. It's hopeless Anyway, and so drugs and alcohol are actually a wish to end life, and uh, I've I've battled both of them, and uh, thankfully at this point in my life, as I'm as I experience the emotion of hopelessness, I don't turn to drugs and alcohol because that just makes things a lot more destructive than they already are, and thankfully I've got a lot of really good mood habits that you may have learned about in uh, the show Atomic Habits for Good Moods or uh, some of the other episodes where I talk about exercise and prayer and meditation and journaling. And those have sustained me through this uh, this period of hopelessness that I've gone through. But um, it's the emotion of hopelessness that we're actually in jeopardy of taking our own life. So if, if you've ever heard of somebody who looked like they had a, a really great life ahead of them and you don't understand why they took their life, well, they took it because they got lost in this emotion. And life is never hopeless. So we can see it from the outside. We can say, man, I can't believe they did that. They threw it all away. Well, when you're in it, you can't see. You actually think that's your highest choice. You think that's the best option for you. So uh, learning this skill, whether you're not feeling hopelessness now, this would be a really good time to learn how to get out so that when you get into it, you know, you've already heard this episode. You already know what to do to get out. Learning the skill is crucial or learning the skills so you can help a friend or a loved one when they're feeling like life is beyond hope. You know, you might save somebody's life. So uh, so this is going to be a very important episode for you. And um, I've got a life raft for you as well. I've, uh, I'm giving away the third chapter of my upcoming book. The book is called Conquering Bad Moods. 
And the third chapter is conquering the third bad mood, which is hopelessness. And so if you go to goodmoodshow.com and sign up for the newsletter or just reach out to us on the contact page, you'll get that downloaded instantly or we'll send it to you after you reach out to us. And if you're already on our newsletter, we'll send you that chapter this week uh, in our newsletter. So there are eight bad moods of the ego. The lowest one is shame. Uh, the very first episode, episode one of The Good Mood Show, uh, is about how to conquer shame. The next bad mood is guilt. And guilt is this thought that we deserve punishment for doing bad things, that we're sinful and bad, and that also the other side of guilt is judgment. When we judge someone else, it's actually our own guilt we're projecting onto them. The third bad mood is hopelessness. This feeling of apathy, of overwhelm, of life is too big and too heavy for me to, to make it. Like I, this, it's beyond hope. Uh, after hopelessness, the, the fourth bad mood is sadness or grief. Grief is actually a much better mood because in grief and sadness, we're open to asking others for help. When we're really sad, we lean on a friend, we cry on someone's shoulder, we reach out and say, help me. In hopelessness, we don't. When we feel hopeless, we're beyond help. We suffer alone. In fact, we think we're alone and separate and in, in that no one can help us. We actually think God has turned his back on us. And uh, that's the way I felt this week. So when you're feeling hopeless and you're not asking for help, or maybe you, you have asked for help and you didn't get the response that, that you felt like you needed, don't give up. You feel that no one is there for you, but it's not the truth. Look, I've been here, I've been here this week, and so have you. And you're going to be here again one day because it's just a mood we all experience. The good news is that you're never separate from God. God is always by your side, even when you can't feel it. You are always loved, you're always protected, you're always guided. And I know when we're hopeless, we don't feel it and we can't see it, but it doesn't mean it's not, He's not there and that you're not loved and you're not guided because you are. And um, so what do you do when you're lost in this emotion? You have to ask for help over and over and over. So the first step is recognize that you're, you're in the emotion of hopelessness. And step two is ask for help again and again and again. The only way out of hopelessness is help from someone in a higher mood someone who is in the mood of love or compassion, they can pull you out, but you need their help. In hopelessness, the only way out is help from another person or from God. So there's a, there's a story of a man who there's a, a giant flood is coming through his town and he climbs to the, the top floor and the flood comes up over the first floor and then it's coming up to the second floor where he is. So he climbs out the window and grabs the gutter of his house and he climbs on top of the roof and the waters are continuing to rise. And he, he's on his knees on the roof and he's praying to God. He says, God, I'm a faithful servant of yours. Please help me. Please save me. And he believes that God will save him. And um, some other people had a rowboat and they are looking around for people to help them. And they, they come rowing by this man and they say, hey, jump in and swim to the boat. We'll, we'll take you to safety. And the man says, no, I'm good. I'm good. I prayed. God's going to help me. And so the rowboat moves on. They're like, all right, dude. All right. Well, hey, if you change your mind, we'll try to come back. And they, they row off and they grab somebody else and, and they, they row to safety. 
Well, then another guy like gets a John boat and he's got a motor on it and he's he's like trying to save people who are stuck like this guy on the roof. And he, they drive by on the John boat and they're like, hey, dude, I've got a rope. And they throw the rope onto the roof and the guy kicks the rope off the roof and says, no, man, I'm good. I prayed to God. God's going to save me. And they're like, uh, okay, man. All right. And so then they drive off in their rowboat and then the guy's praying and the water's getting higher. And now he's have to, he's up on the peak of his roof. And at this point, police have dispatched helicopters trying to find people stuck in the flood. And a helicopter goes over and they drop a ladder right next to the guy. They're like, grab the ladder. And he says, I'm good. I prayed to God. He's got me. He's going to save me. And then the flood comes up and takes him away and he drowns. And when he's in heaven, he has a conversation with God and he's like, God, I, I, I can't believe I died. I, I, you were going to save me. I, I had faith. I'm a faithful servant. What do you, what happened? And God said, I, I heard your prayer as I always do. And I sent you a rowboat. I sent you a John boat and I sent you a helicopter. Like you have to grab the rope. And so this is part of getting out of hopelessness as well, is that, yes, we have to ask for help, but then we have to grab the rope. We have to grab the hand that's reaching out to help us. Maybe we need to pick up the phone and that, that's our rope. You know, someone who, who's lost in hopelessness, people may be, be reaching out to you and you're pushing them away because it's not, it's not the way you think it's not the help you think you should have. Maybe you're waiting for this certain person to say a certain thing, but then someone else over here is giving you exactly what you prayed for. It's just not the way you thought it was supposed to come. Hey, if you love to stay in good moods as much as I do, be sure to hit the subscribe button on the Good Mood Show podcast. That way we could get you a good mood every single week. And look, if you know someone else that could use a good mood, Share the show with them. Send them a text message. Let them know about the Good Mood Show and let's brighten up the world. So as I was facing this emotion this past week, I wasn't noticing the help that was around me either. So we have to exert this effort to notice the help and God's protection and the guidance. And it's not like he's going to talk to us directly. It's not like we're going to hear these booming words directly. Maybe we will, but... Um, in most cases, he's speaking through other, other people. He's speaking through other circumstances. And we have to open our eyes to see the helicopter. We have to open our eyes to see that the people in the rowboat are God's help. And this, is, this takes effort. And so even when we're hopeless, we have to continue to, to exert effort and do our part. Um, I exerted some effort. One of my favorite uh, people, my friend Mark Nepo, was coming to town and came to town last weekend and I exerted effort. I, I purchased a ticket. I drove to the event. I, you know, we've got four kids. My wife was away with my oldest and I, I was watching or, or being dad uh, all by myself the whole weekend with our other three. And so then I had to ask my niece if she would babysit so that I could go see Mark Nepo because it was that important that I saw Mark to try to get out of the emotion I was in. And so I, I exerted effort, got a babysitter. Uh, thank you, Ryan, for, for watching the children. But she watched them all day. And I sat there in a room with people I didn't know all day. That's effort. And when I was there, I, I got a chance to ask Mark a question about this because I've been exerting a tremendous amount of effort trying to save my company. 
Uh, I'm in the real estate space and I'll, I'll talk about what's been going on there and, and how I got into this motion of hopelessness. But I've been working super hard trying to save this company. And um, I mean, the reality is, is that in November of last year, 20% of my team, 20% of the real estate agents in my company were recruited away by, uh, by other firms. So we lost 20% of our income in one month. And at that exact same time, the government doubled interest rates and all home sales dropped by 35%. So this is a 55% loss in a matter of a month. And I was sitting there with a company that was flipping homes. We were purchasing homes and then, um, you know, rebuilding them and making them really pretty and then selling them again. But because the interest rates had rose, uh, we could no longer sell the homes at a profit. And I had 13 of them. So while I was losing money because of the other things with the interest rates and the recruiting, uh, I was also having to give these homes away, like a $60,000 loss here, an $80,000 loss here, just to get out of a $4 million debt that was hanging over us. My wife is crying, looking at me saying they could take our house and they could have taken our house. You know, and then, and then I was at the cancer ward with a man I love dearly and going to all of the appointments with the different cancer doctors. And this is my stepdad, John, and um, I'm with him and my mom, and he lost the battle. And I was there every day with him. And that was a painful loss. And we lost money in the company every month for six straight months. And I'm showing up early and staying late. I'm doing more work. I'm working. I'm exerting more effort to try to save my family from the financial hardship that we were under than I've ever exerted. We're changing everything. I had to let six people I love go. And that was painful. You know, that I, like I take this, I take work so seriously when it involves other people's livelihoods and their families. And man, that was hard. You know, and then I went on, a, I went to a conference, a real estate conference two weeks ago and everyone at the conference said, oh, hey, I know it's been tough. And like, I'm not the only real estate person in the, in the country who's losing money with the interest rate rise. But then they said, hey, um, it's about to get way tougher. There's a class action lawsuit for real estate and it's going to, it's going to reduce commissions for all realtors by another 40%. And when I heard that news, that's when hopelessness took hold. I was already exerting every ounce of energy I already had just to try to get through what we were getting through. And then I saw a future that was even worse than the present and I lost hope. I started to change my effort to trying to get out of the emotion of hopelessness. You know, I showed up to Mark Nepo's training and I said, Mark, man, how do I know when to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and exerting effort and when to just trust that God's got me and that I'm going to be okay and that he's going to carry me. And Mark said, yeah, this is the difference between effort and grace. And he said, um, it's like a surfer, somebody who surfs waves. I'm a surfer, so I can relate to this story. And he said, uh, the surfer has to paddle out and he, had to, he has to exert a ton of effort to paddle past the breaking waves and the waves are crashing and it takes a lot of work just to get out to the, 
the point where you want to be to catch the next wave. And then you see the big wave coming and you'd have to exert effort to turn your board and position yourself in the right spot and then paddle like hell to catch it. And then you pop up on your board and the wave is carrying you. And he said, that's grace. And once the wave is carrying you, there's, there's, it takes no effort. You're just being carried. You're riding this wave free and it's just, it's amazing. It feels amazing to be carried by the grace of God. But what happens? Eventually the wave ends. And then what? Well, then you have to turn around and paddle back out again. And you got to fight all the crashing waves. And it takes effort. We have to exert the effort. We can't just sit back and, be, and feel hopeless. We have to continue to paddle. And eventually we'll catch a wave again. So the problem for me is this definition of success. And, you know, I'm, we're raised in this world that really values winning. You know, we're raised to value getting good grades and um, being a success and having money and having the right clothes and the right car and the right house. And I'm affected by this because I'm a part of society. I'm a product of society. And so I think my safety comes from money. I think my safety and security comes from not losing money, right? And, and here I am losing money month after month after month after month, doing everything I can to not lose money, like making so many changes, cutting every single cost, like it's a $20 cost. I'm like, oh, we can't spend that, you know, just trying to, just trying to survive. You know, it's really not the definition of success. In, in the book, Conquering Bad Moods, the third chapter, uh, I take you through an exercise that Tony Robbins took me through at Date with Destiny. And it's, it's your, our definition of what we care about, our, our values we really want. Well, one of the values I really want is to be a success. And he said, well, what's your definition of success? And to me, success is definitely not losing money. And so... Uh, he said, hey, if your definition of success has to do with the external world, you are in for suffering. Well, my definition of success has to do with not losing money. That's actually in the external world. So I can't always control it. I can't control the government raising interest rates. I can't control that I have 12 month long contracts on things that cost, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars that I can't get out of. I can't control that. You know, those are decisions that were made before interest rates were, were, were raised. And at this point, I'm just, you know, so now I'm feeling this drain that I'm not a success. And so we have to redefine our definition of success. And so maybe I need to de define my definition of success as having calm and poise and being loving through a challenging financial time. And if I can remain loving through a challenging financial time, then I'm a success. Boom, man, that's a mind-blowing reframe. That's my new definition of success. But I, I had to come up with that this week in order to get out of this emotion of hopelessness because my old definition of success, which is not losing money, is not helping me, it's hurting me. And it, you know, I'm working harder than ever, but I'm actually a zombie of myself because I've worked so hard that my light has gone out. And you know, my team is coming to me and saying, hey, your stress is not good for us. And my, you know, I yelled at my daughter. I don't yell at my kids, but I yelled at my daughter. And then I'm bringing my stress home to my wife and, and she's starting to get like a, a pain in her neck and like she's feeling super stressed because of my stress. 
and uh, and I'm not happy when I'm all stressed out like this. And you know, so I exerted some effort. I reached out to my buddy Steve Gill. Uh, Steve did a. Uh, uh, an episode with us on overcoming fear. Definitely check that out. Steve is is a master at emotions. And so I reached out to Steve and I said, Steve, I need some help, man. You know, this, uh, my mindset is, is terrible. And, uh, and he's like, yeah, but what's going good? And I'm like, well, I mean, we don't have cancer. My kids are healthy. I'm, I'm healthy. My wife's healthy, but you know, it, it nothing feels good, man. And Steve's like, well, you know, I, I, I love you, brother, and I'm going to do my best to serve you. So what's great that I, you know, from my vantage point is at least you're being honest about the way you feel. So that's that's how we help somebody who's in hopelessness. First of all, is we give them love and we give them acceptance for exactly where they are, just like Steve did. And then we acknowledge that, hey, this is really powerful that you're able to communicate how you're feeling, because if you can communicate how you're feeling, then I can help you. So he gave me a win for that. I knew that I was in the emotion of hopelessness because before I spoke to Steve, the day before that, I was driving home and I, I was sharing this with him and I didn't care if I got into a car wreck. And when I got home, I saw my wife and I said, I don't know how to not feel this way. And she said, you know, she's doing her best to help me in we're so close that she couldn't really help me out of it. And I needed Steve's different perspective to get out of it. And so, you know, Steve said to me when, after he gave me the love and acknowledgement, and this is where the lesson starts here, is that when you're hopeless, you think that there are no options. You think that you're a victim and that it's beyond hope. And Steve said, here's the thing. You've got options, Matt. You have far more control than you're admitting. And man, as soon as he said that, a little bit of light started to come in. You know, I, I was under this illusion. I'd already tried everything. I'd already given everything and I'd already done everything. And then even though with all of my effort, everything I'd done and I've got nothing more to give that, um, that it still wasn't enough. And that wasn't true. I had not tried everything. I had not done everything. It's impossible to try everything and do everything. There's so many different options. There's so much choice in this world that you've never done it all. You've never tried it all. You're never without options or choices. And so I needed Steve, and this is why we need help when we're lost in hopelessness. We need someone in a higher level of mood, a higher level of consciousness to look at us from a higher state and look down on us and say, hey man, here, here's the rope. Let me pull you up. You have options. And he said, you need to start creating a compelling vision of the future. He said, you got to get excited again. And I'm like, dude, you have no idea. I can't get excited again. And um, he said, you have this illusion that your problems are permanent. You know, he's, he's like, when we're stuck in the dark, we think that it's going to last forever, but it never does. So this was another little bit of light that started to come in. Him, Just him saying, you have this illusion, you're projecting that things aren't going to get better, but that's never true. And so then if you look back, you know, if I look back on my life at times when I was in the dark, the light always came. Look, day always follows night. Spring always follows winter every single year. So when we're stuck in an emotion of hopelessness and we think that there's no way out, it's not true. 
the light always comes after the dark and it will again. And he's like, he's like, man, you just have to, you just have to see a brighter future. And I'm like, dude, yeah, but the lawsuit, man, you know, we've already been kicked. We've already, we're already down. We're already down 55%, man. Like we've been losing money every single month. He's like, he's like, didn't you just tell me that you're turning a profit for the first time this month of May? And I'm like, yeah, but not that big of a profit. You know, usually May's, and he's like, he's like, dude, you're not celebrating at all. And he was right. We were turning a profit in the month of May and I wasn't acknowledging it because I was lost in the darkness. He said, how do you get yourself into a higher state? How do you get yourself into a better emotion? And I'm like, I don't know. And he said, you have to decide. It's a choice. Living in a higher state is a choice. He said, you're choosing suffering, but you also could choose joy. But, you know, this is the thing is that when you're really, really stuck in hopelessness, you don't know how. So he, he told me the, the how. I said, well, how do I do that? And he said, here's what you're going to do. Grab a blank piece of paper and a pen and start writing. And what you're going to do is you're going to write your options. You're going to write your plan. And he's like, you don't think that you've got options. You don't think you have control. But as soon as you start writing, I promise you, you're going to start to see a plan form. And so I took his advice. I went home and uh, opened up a blank piece of paper, grabbed my pen and just started writing out, write, 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 a plan. And I wrote all day. I worked on this plan for six hours. Man, we got done with it and I was exhausted from writing the plan. But all of a sudden, oh man, a lot of light came in because now I wasn't hopeless. I did have options. And the last thing Steve said before we left is he said, a negative mind will find fault in everything. A positive mind will find opportunity in everything. That was powerful. My negative mind was finding fault in everything. It was finding fault in the fact that we were making money for the first time in seven months because it wasn't enough. My, when my mind started to shift to the positive again, I started to see the opportunity in everything. You know, Steve wasn't the only one I reached out to for help because I know the way out of hopelessness is asking for help. Uh, I was on the phone with my friend, Matt Wagner, and I'm like, Matt, man, I'm struggling. And, and Matt said, hey, here's what I do whenever I'm feeling down. I hang out with positive people. I'm like, oh yeah, great advice, dude. I know that. Well, I intellectually know that, but I didn't actually know it because I wasn't doing it. Matt's advice sunk in. And so I, I said, okay, well, there's a Sophia event coming up with Caroline Mace and um, Carolyn Rivers, who did an episode with us. And, and uh, you know, I said, hey, Katie, let's go to this event. It's coming up. Um, you know, let's just go be around these positive people. Maybe that'll help me out. And on the way to the event, I'm like super stressed again. And I'm talking with Katie about all the things Steve Gill said, but I was just feeling the stress still. And um, we, we get to the event and Caroline Mace is talking about exactly what I'm going through. And she said, you know, early in our life, we all go through the love of power. And she said, the love of power is thinking that if we have power over the external world, that that will be our safety. She's like, the love of power is the love of money, the love of success, the love of fame. We think these things will protect us. But ultimately, 
if we go down that path, we find out that there's just suffering there, focusing on these things. She said, the only real power is the power of love. And love is God in disguise. She said, the purpose of your life is to focus on love. Oh man, okay, good. <laughs> things are starting to add up, right? Like from the exercise on conquering hopelessness to what Steve was saying, to what Caroline Mace was saying. And then uh, I'm around all these beautiful people at the Sophia event. And this is what Matt was saying was get around, you know, positive people, just their vibe, their energy will rub off on you in a positive way. And so I'm hanging out with a guy named Julian Buxton, who owns Buxton Books downtown. And uh, Julian has become a friend from the Sophia Institute. And, uh, and, you know, Katie and I are having a conversation with Julian and he starts telling me a story of the same exact thing. So if you don't think this is God sending me a rowboat and a motorboat and a helicopter, like start to start to notice these coincidences, right? I've been praying every morning for help out of this emotion. I continued to receive it, right? But I have to notice it. I have to grab the rope. I have to swim to the rowboat. I have to jump onto the helicopter. So Julian starts telling me a story. This is, man, it's just so crazy how it's all the same help. But he tells me about his grandfather, who was a great industrialist. His grandfather grew massive wealth in like the 1930s and 1940s. And he was such a, a huge success that his son, which is Julian's dad, always lived in his, in his shadow and he never thought he was good enough. And so Julian's dad became a doctor, and, but he didn't make near the money that his, you know, that his father had made. But his dad was a really loving human being, and uh, he just loved people so much that he would heal them for free. They would come to him at Roper St. Francis here in Charleston, and uh, if they had no money, it didn't matter. He, he, would, he would work and give care to anyone if they could pay him or not. And uh, sometimes Julian said that uh, his dad would bring home live chickens because people would say, I don't have any money, but I've got chickens. And um, they called him the Jesus of Roper Hospital. He was called the Roper Jesus. And uh, Julian said to me, he said, my grandfather was more successful financially, but my dad was the real success because my dad loved. And so that was my message again. Again, I had been pinning all of this self-worth on not losing money and the true success is loving others. And so this was the last message I needed to get out of hopelessness and to start focusing on love. And yes, the vibration of the people I was hanging around lifted me up. My wife lifted me up. The people I work with lifted me up. My children lifted me up. Um, the books I was reading, I'm reading books by David Hawkins and listening to books by David Hawkins and he always lifts me up. I was doing the things to grab the rope and, and get onto the ladder. Uh, and it finally worked. It finally lifted me up. And so after the event, Katie and I had uh, a reservation to go to dinner. And we get to dinner and it's beautiful. They sit us outside in this garden. And um, I, you know, we got, I got a glass of sparkling water and so did she. And, and we, we lifted our glasses and we, I said, we're gonna celebrate. This is a dinner of celebration of all that's good in our life. And uh, 
we clinked our glasses and all of a sudden I could see all of the good things. I'm like, oh, holy moly. I looked down and I was on my surfboard on the wave. God had been carrying me for the past month and I just hadn't noticed it. I was still paddling, but I hadn't noticed I was actually already being carried by grace. And at that dinner, I noticed that we were making a profit this month. And I said, Katie, we're actually making a profit this month. And she said, hell yeah, we are. And at that dinner, I said, hey, we haven't celebrated this, but remember six months ago when we had 4 million in debt and 13 houses and we didn't know how we were going to get out of it? I said, we haven't celebrated that we got out of it in six months. And she said, hell yeah, we did. I said, you're the most incredible wife and we have the most incredible kids. And it wasn't just me kind of half-heartedly saying to Steve Gill, yeah, at least we don't have cancer. It was me actually with my eyes open, noticing this beautiful, incredible wife that I have again and feeling gratitude in my heart, like truly feeling it, not just saying it, but truly feeling gratitude in my heart for my children and just being grateful to be alive again. And so I, I was out, I was out of hopelessness. And, you know, it took a ton of effort. It took a ton of effort and it's worth it because God had not left my side. I had just felt like he had, I was not forsaken. I just felt like I was. And, you know, what had created that was me. I had created that I, by my own definition of success being tied to the external world, which really I have no control over. I mean, yes, I, you know, I have control over cutting costs and, and making sound business decisions. But when I give my all, which is what I've been doing, my all is enough. And then I have to trust that my all is enough and God's going to carry me on the way from there. So if, uh, if you want the free resource this week, which is chapter three of my upcoming book, it is the chapter on conquering hopelessness. You can go to goodmoodshow.com and uh, sign up for the newsletter and download that instantly or just reach out on the contact page and I will send it to you. Save this episode as a resource. Hopelessness is one of the eight bad moods of the ego. You will face it. Just know that you're never alone. There are people all around you. Strangers will come up on rowboats and, and motorboats and helicopters and reach their hand out. You know, you've got to put in the effort yourself. You've got to ask for help. And then you got to grab the rope, swim to the boat and climb on the ladder. Thank you for listening. And remember, you are loved. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Good Mood Show with Matt O'Neill. For free resources, videos, and materials about getting into your best moods, head over to thegoodmoodshow.com. And remember, when you feel like your best self, you are your best self. See you next week. Same time, same place.